Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. I'm in love with you And all that jazz You're my dream come true And all that jazz Baby, you're too much You got the skin That was Mel Torme with All That Jazz. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. What is Jazz Shapers, I hear you asking if you haven't caught it before. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. And my business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is Rydian Lewis. He's the co-founder and chief executive of Ratesetter. They are officially, in the last 12 months, the largest peer-to-peer lending platform in the UK. How about that for a fact? You'll be hearing lots from him about the the wild and wonderful new world of alternative finance. Lots coming up from Ridian very shortly. In addition to hearing from Ridian, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, of course, a carefully assembled mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including new music from Joey Alexander, classic Miles Davis and this from Dion Warwick. If you see me walking down the street And I start to cry Each time we meet Walk on by Walk on by Make believe That you don't see the tears Just That was the lovely Dion Warwick with Walk On By. This is Jazz Shapers, and Ridian Lewis is my business shaper today. He's the co-founder, as I said earlier, of Ratesetter and, indeed, the chief executive. And Ratesetter is a peer-to-peer lending platform. Ridian, thank you very much for joining me. And I also should add, as I said earlier, one of the, the best, the biggest. And you've, you've grown very fast. Tell me, in a nutshell, what is it that, because many people may not know, what is a peer-to-peer business? What does it do? Uh, we are a website that allows savers to lend directly to borrowers. So in that way, you cut out the bank. And the proposition is that there's greater value to be shared out between the savers and the borrowers. And we're just the people that make it all work in the middle. Sounds remarkably simple. And I remember reading something where you said it was, I, I'm, I was shockingly naive in my approach to this thing. But what you've just described, and of course, there's your rate setter is big. I think there's some other businesses. Opa is, is one of them. Uh, there's a few, uh, I forget the names. They've all got these natty names. Mm. And indeed, I've interviewed um, slightly different side, but Crowdcube fund, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. founder as well a while back. It is a brave new world that has such things in it, but it sounds so obvious. Take the banks out and people can lend to each other. Why? And you, you set up this business how long ago, really? Uh, in 2010. So, And why, why hadn't the world of peer-to-peer existed in the form that it did? Was it because of the lack of technology, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think uh, it first started in 2005, and I think the first three or four years of it were very quiet, partly because I think people were still fearful of the internet. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that people were still worried about buying the safety of buying a book on Amazon. Mm. You know, in 2007, 8, 9, they were still thinking, is that dangerous to be buying a book on Amazon? It's much safer to buy it on the high street. Obviously, that seems an absurd concept now. And everyone's very comfortable with doing all their banking online, doing all their e-commerce online. And I think that peer-to-peer lending is just a reflection of that, actually. And how much did you lend last year? Go on, give me the number, the big number. Uh, last year, in, in 2014, 300 million. 
That's a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, that is. A, I know it's a t- about a two point three billion pound market, roughly, but that's a, a significant slug of that. Let me cast. My, I want to go back a little bit. Obviously, you're a modern languages graduate mm-hmm. from Bristol exactly. University, a fine place indeed. Um, how did you end up here? You're an entrepreneur. You're in the proper world of bank. I mean, the, you know, the serious world of banking, the, the names that have been around for hundreds of years. Surely your family, when you said, I'm going to set my own business up, they thought, you're crazy, Ridian. No, they did. Uh, they did. And I uh, was so determined to do it that I think there was no way around. Uh, they were not going to persuade me otherwise. Um, how did I come to it? I was, I fiddled around a little bit after university with various jobs. And then I did move into the world of banking. And I went to work for a bank that's 160 years old. Uh, and is a very storied name, um, but it is a it's an advisor. It doesn't actually deal with it advises big companies. It doesn't. It's not a consumer business in any way, and it doesn't have a sort of banking license. But during that period, I got to understand how banks work in excruciating detail, and I'd always had in the back of my mind uh, the idea of whether the peer to peer revolution that had gone on in other industries and it's not just in, in lending that's you know you see it in eBay eBay was is a peer-to-peer business there's a company called Betfair which has changed betting which is peer-to-peer bet, uh, exchange so I'd always wondered uh, and actually first of all back in 2002 whether it could ever be applied to money um, and at that time I wrote a couple of pages on the concept of whether you know you could use an eBay like model for money um, unfortunately I didn't keep those two pages because I'd love to look back at it now and I think they were incredibly naive um, and it took me effectively eight years to get around to doing it but the kind of catalyst was obviously the the, 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 the banking crisis where it was just evident to anybody who understood what was going on that that is a model that is you know, still under, under, under question and you know are they the right way to intermediate money and then also you obviously have for the first time a major shake up of consumer trust in the old establishment so it seemed a fantastic opportunity to put forward something new um, because people are going to be more open to, to, to adopting that. Um, I still think it's actually early days for what we do. You know, it's, it, it, it takes time to build trust, but uh, it's certainly heading in the right direction. Find out where that direction is going and how actually Ridian Lewis, my business shaper, has mapped it out over the last few years. Time for some music. This is I Mean You from Joey Alexander, the 11-year-old piano sensation recently signed for those of you who'd like to know to Motema Records. That was the extraordinary Joey Alexander, 11 years old. Yes, 11 with I Mean You. Ridian Lewis, my business shaper. Ridian, we've been talking about where you got the idea from, and it was indeed a confluence of things. As you said, the excruciating detail of looking at the banking world, the the, the, the failure of the, the financial system or the, mm. the, the pseudo-collapse of it, the rise of technology, and your own sense of, and this is what bit I want to explore, way, the way you could actually make something happen. Why you? Because other people would have had the same thoughts, but not everyone else went on to set up their own business you you don't look like the obvious sort of entrepreneurial type in the sense that you, you know you went to university you mm. did a proper degree you went and worked for these big 106 year old uh, companies and things what drove you to go i'm going to do that i think it's interesting the subject of entrepreneurialism because i think there are some people who are born entrepreneurs and they would be an entrepreneur that what then they'll turn their hand to anything and um they tend to be the serial entrepreneurs. You set one thing up and then they go on to another and so forth. 
And then there are, I think, some people who just see a big opportunity and have the guts to go for it and um, and know enough about it to be absolutely convinced it's going to work. So I would classify myself as somebody in the latter camp. I'm not necessarily somebody who would have gone and set up uh, a game-changing restaurant or something like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe actually after this, you know, th- 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 there might be another uh, escapade. But um, well, I was going to say, it I think pro- it's, it's it's probably addictive, isn't it? A little bit because I imagine if you're if you if you cast your mind back to as you set up the lunacy of that, I imagine from a funding perspective, from an operations perspective, from a, is it going to work, from a compliance, all the things that you were thinking about. Did you at any point go, okay, I've got the guts, I've done it, I've got the idea, I know it's going to work, I've, I believe, and I believe, I think belief is critical as you absolutely critical. But did you ever think? Uh, let me off. No, I, 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 what, I think it's interesting to look back at one's state of mind, actually, and it's kind of unrecognisable. I mean, uh, in that the sheer bloody mindedness and determination and require, you know you have to believe because it's all about getting other people to believe because then you get that kind of ripple effect. Um, and you know that if you, if you falter for one moment, then you can be sure that uh, everyone else will. But you faltered, you mustered, and we're all human. When you're on your own or talking to your other, whoever, you know, yeah. loved uh, and closest and nearest and dearest, did you falter and go, I'm not sure? Or yeah. were you even to them privately going, it's going to be okay? Yeah, no, there have been periods of serious doubt, and there's no doubt about it, um, and um, real wobbles. But um, never, that's inevitable. And, it, you, know, it, 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 you know, you have good days and bad days. Um, I would be lying if I said I didn't think that there was an overarching kind of belief that it made enough sense and that there was enough support with regards to kind of social change as much as anything else, as well as the you know, change in technology and the banking crisis and so forth, that, that, that kept pushing me forward. But there's absolutely been periods when you just think, this is not going to work or um, what have we got into here? But um, overall, there was a, a, always a strong sense that it made sense what we were doing. More coming up from my steely business shaper, Ridian Lewis. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ratesetter. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. My name's Jonathan Berman. I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkondorea. We spent a lot of time in our department dealing with people who are establishing new joint ventures. When we look at these relationships, they are much, much more likely to succeed if the participants have been through a process before they actually start working together. And it's the process rather than the documentation that's critical. And what they do is to address issues that they would generally feel uncomfortable about discussing with one another. The rationale is they want to get on with it and they've got a good feeling about working together. And by asking difficult questions, it, in their mind, could endanger that good feeling. But that's the wrong way of going about it. And I'll give you a couple of examples of the types of things they should be thinking about. The first is... Are we looking to maintain this business as a going concern under our ownership for the foreseeable future? Or are we establishing it with a view to building it up over three years and selling it? If one's got one view, one's got the other, it leads to huge disagreement. And it's one of the biggest reasons for businesses failing. The second is, what's the business intended to do? What is our vision? Is our vision joint? Do we go into the UK or are we looking to expand into Germany? Are we going into America? Are we focusing on one business product or service? Or are we expecting to expand beyond that? Again, having a business plan and sitting there and considering exactly how the business is intended to grow over the next few years is vital. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. 
in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who has shaped and is shaping the world of business, a business shaper. If you've missed any of the 175 plus or so over the last few years, I believe you can catch quite a lot of them in iTunes, putting the words Jazz and Shapers. If you're on a British Airways flight in the future, then you can go over there and have a look at the latest one who we will be featuring. And cityam.com is another destination for you. Rydian Lewis is my business shaper today. He's the co-founder of Rate Setter. They're a 10 million plus turnover business who lent over 300 million pounds that's 300 million pounds to lots of people peers basically people borrowing and people lending from each other and and he's a part of a, a revolution that's happening right in front of our eyes in the world of finance Ridian, we're talking about your steeliness and that sense of determination and that you know of course everyone doubts but in reality you were you believed right the way through who do you think you've taken greatest stock from and greatest uh, the greatest sort of advice and comfort from over these last few years as you've set up? Is it is it the very closest people around you? Yeah, well, I actually think um, we're very fortunate enough to have a co-founder and um, you can share a lot of the burden and make you know better decisions by talking with each other. And, you know, there have been many times when we disagree on something, but the kind of consensus seems to be arriving to the right decisions. So, I mean, uh, he's called Peter. He, he was he was a lawyer, so he came from the pretty traditional world as well. And I admire him enormously because he's even braver than I was because he had three young children at the time that we set up the business, um, which really was a brave decision. Uh, so, But having a co-founder, I think, is absolutely crucial. And I've spoken to other people who set up businesses that don't have a, uh, a co-founder, and I think they, they envy that because... Um, can be a lonely existence and mm. you can doubt yourself but if there's somebody um and, to... and were you friends before or did you become friends through work because sometimes people so don't work with friends and family but how did how did the that yeah, relationship evolve yeah funny enough we were well we, we were at school together and um we didn't know each other uh particularly well but that uh shared experience gave us mutual you know trust a sense of trust so it was a good combination i always say to him of being um we trusted each other without being friends so there wasn't a friendship to ruin uh, or to get in the way or muddle things up. But there was kind of underlying trust. Um, so it's quite a good combination, I think. And are your values, because obviously business is predicated on having a great idea, having the guts to go for it, but also being driven by a sense of principle and integrity, all being well. Do you find those are very closely aligned with each other? Yes. I think that, that it's completely unspoken. And that's that was just potluck to find somebody that, that where our instincts are you know, if there's a decision to do with, a, particularly on the sort of customer side, we just seem to have the same instincts as to what the right decision is. So that's just a good fortune. And did you do you ever disagree on any fundamentals? And if so, how do you resolve those? Um, we have. A, He's now thinking, how honest should I be? No, exactly. I can it's, see it's him actually, worrying exactly. around. What I will Ridian Lewis reveal right now? Yeah. No, well, I mean, you know, maybe there's a time for um, one has to one has to pull rank, maybe, and say uh, that you know. Uh, it's important to, um, yeah. There are certain decisions where, as it, I, I, I will, I will, I will make them, uh, and, um, but never without kind of consulting. And yeah, it's okay to disagree. You can say, listen, I, I hear what you're saying on this one. I think we're going to do that. Yeah, and, and, that, uh, and that happens is what you're saying. And I, and I think everybody finds that incredibly helpful because there's nothing worse than indecision in a business. It saps people's sort of confidence and enthusiasm is when things go round and round in circles. I think that's what happens in a lot of big businesses is that you just don't get decisions made. And so everybody appreciates having quite a, uh, a clear decision maker. And at this stage, that's quite helpful. Um, and so we, we seem to have managed to navigate that without falling out. And um, it works well. You see, they can be friends, and they are now. Not just trust, but friendship too. Time for some music. This is Miles Davis with Time After Time. 
That was Miles Davis with Time After Time. I've been talking to Ridian Lewis. He's my business shaper today, and he's the co-founder of Rate Setter. Um, as you look forward now, you, you've got this business that's, that's sort of working. You're growing exponentially. Can a business like yours, and I think you grew like 177% in the last 12 months, can you do that again? I mean, is, there, is because of technology, because people are understanding how to do it, because there's less fear, because the banks don't seem to have arrested their own decline, is that kind of growth sustainable? Well, obviously it gets harder, but I think that the the outlook for peer-to-peer lending is, is, is very good because I think we're still a rounding error in the system, despite all the excitement around peer-to-peer lending, and it's getting a lot of attention, as it deserves, because it's probably the biggest change in lending and borrowing for hundreds of years. So it's it's very exciting. But we're still pretty small in the, in the overall picture. So there's a huge growth to go for. Um, and so I think that's entirely possible that it can double every year. Um, it's actually the key thing is to is, is to manage that well, and um, people, you know, it's a sensitive industry. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um, and the key is to invest properly and get the right people, the right processes. We're 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 regulated now, so we get we have somebody to sort of oversee um, the industry, which is very helpful, I think, and gives people more confidence that it's being done well. Um, but I think the growth outlook is 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 very very good. I believe that not one investor has lost their money. Is that and is, is that, that that's right? And that's kind of been your 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 the thing that you say. Is that right? That's right. I mean, we we weren't the first peer to peer lender, but we came into the market with something completely different, and that's what sort of gave us our right to exist, if you like, is that we didn't just copy; we actually innovated ourselves. So when we uh, launched in two thousand and ten, we launched with something called a provision fund, which is just a sort of central pot uh, of money um, funded by all the borrowers that to protect the investors. And so it effectively means that the investors, their risk is spread over the whole loan book and that there's a buffer. That's it. Um, and what it's meant is we've been going five years and lent nearly £700 million and, and, and investors have received every single penny. Now, uh, that's brilliant. And that's kind of almost your entry level for you because you've redefined what the market should be correct. doing. You look forward now, the next five, ten years, creating a vision based on what you think may or may not happen either in the banking world or the technology world. That's tricky. How do you find a space for you and Peter to go, right, what might it look like? Or do you not work like that? No, I think we're definitely looking, that's the next stage. So uh, the first stage is just to get up and running. And, you know, you're a startup and you you need to keep your head above water and get enough trust in your system and reach a level of structure that the day-to-day works. And I think we've reached that. And But the next stage is how do we keep ahead of any new trends or how do we actually really disrupt uh, and at scale um, traditional systems and for that myself and and others need to spend more time thinking as opposed to doing and we're we're going through that process right now which is to to, just to delegate get good trusted people um, better people than us at at certain areas and and give them all the responsibility uh, allowing you to think about the strategy because it's not going to be one-way traffic. I mean, we're trying to disrupt the most powerful uh, and the biggest industry there is. And luckily, we have a lot of support from, from, from government who recognise that what we're doing is a force for good and they're desperately keen to introduce competition in, in banking, something that's just been uh, woeful in the last 20 years or so. So there's a lot of support for what we do, but we don't underestimate the challenge of breaking through beyond where we are today. And that's going to require a kind of careful strategy. Final chat coming up with Ridian, and plus we're going to play a chat from Jamie Cunnell and Gregory Porter. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know that no one can always be an angel that was Jamie Cullum and Gregory Porter with Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Big band sound. How good was that? Ridian Lewis is my business shaper just for a few more precious minutes. And we've talked about all sorts of things. We, we touched on the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll, you'll say now is the time for strategy to kick in and, uh, and, and for other people to begin, as you humbly said. I'm sure it's partly true, but not completely, that better people can do the jobs that, that you've been doing. Are you fearful that you're going to miss the the hurly-burly of this crazy thing called the startup? Because you are moving to phase two, aren't you? Are you kind of going, well, I I want it, I need it, but there's a guilt of not being heavily involved and stressed in the way you have been probably the last few years? Yeah, I think it's important to get over that. I mean, because otherwise you can tinker in other people's job the whole time and it just slightly undermines their sense of authority how do you stop yourself tinkering um i don't know that's a good question you have to lock your door and no you know you have to consciously think about it and go you know you can't you it's very important to step away from things uh and um but it's not being done the way you want it to be done you want to fiddle what do you say to yourself really and no leave it i've got more important things well, also, to do. Uh, one thing i've really learned is not to, you know the expression that you know perfect can't be the enemy of good you know mm. there, you know there are, there are a few things that we need to do absolutely fantastically but most businesses are have to compromise on certain things and if it's good and it's working that's fine and you know i think a lot of entrepreneurs are perfectionists about their product on every little element and i think i'm perfectionist in certain areas and certainly as i realize it's just as long as it works that's fine and um otherwise i think you can you can over engineer a lot of things and i think another another pitfall is that we we're trying to change something very dramatic in the, in the world you know lending and borrowing but we mustn't kid ourselves that we need to change other processes so what i've seen a lot of startups is they want to do everything different <laughs> Not just their their kind of breakthrough product being different, but they also want to do recruitment in a different way, or they want to do um, their their management style in a different way, or whatever. Everything has to be unconventional, and I think that's a is terrific in some respects. But um, I do I do think you've got to focus on your on your core strengths basically, mm. and uh, not worry about um, if certain things are done in quite a normal way. Now, you mentioned government and the support obviously is there because the government needs competition, the government wants to have a more mixed economy and all the other reasons why. Mm. What's it like working? I imagine you work closely with various members. What's it been like for you as an experience? Well, I think we initially went to them in 2011 and they, it was quite it was a kind of traumatic age, wasn't it, after the crisis? There was a real sense of kind of, um, you know, where's, where are things going? So it was quite a good time to be talking to government because we were coming with a solution. Uh, when they were just surrounded by by by, by, by problems, uh, but they first they found it very confusing initially because why would a bunch of sort of thrusting entrepreneurs be knocking on their door talking about a sensible regulatory framework for this industry? And I think their initial response was no. Um, I don't think they had a regulating instinct. Uh, the the coalition that you know just putting in regulation for the hell of it. So their their initial response was no. And then we explained how they thought it was too small, too niche, too small, too much of a headache to think about a regulatory framework for peer to peer lending. And we explained how we did think it would become quite relevant and quite big quite quickly. And also that it was a true, uh, this was competition. This really had a, if it was well nurtured, this could be uh, true competition in banking. And it could get funds flowing to individuals and small businesses. And so this really interested government. And um, I think th- the penny dropped and they said, yeah, I think it makes absolute sense to try and get a good regulatory framework around peer-to-peer lending. And that's what's going on at the moment. Well, listen, I appreciate you being my revolutionary today. You've been great. Um, And I'd love to know, before I let you go, what your song choice is and why you've chosen it. 
Yeah, it's uh, Cinnamon by uh, Nina Simone. Um, and I've chosen it because I enjoy listening to loads of songs by Cinnamon, uh, by Nina Simone. Um, and I thought that this one was, uh, I like the mood and the sense of sort of impending uh, uh, danger in the song. And um, I, I don't know, it was an instinctive choice. I didn't think about it an enormous amount, um, which I think is probably the, the way to go about things like that. Here it is just for you. Thank you so much. That was Cinnamon from Nina Simone, the song choice of my business shaper today, Ridian Lewis. A clear-headed individual, absolute clarity about what the problem was and what the opportunity was, and he's gone and approached it brilliantly. Real guts. You have to have determination to believe that what you're going to do is going to work, and boy, has he had that. And someone who understands now at the phase that they're at in their business that there are better people than him to do some of those day-to-day management jobs. Really brilliant stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday morning here on Jazz FM at 9am. In the meantime, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.